And hello and welcome to this new edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Jake Novak. And today I want to talk about Bernie Sanders, our, our fellow Jew who is running for president, as you know, again, for the second straight presidential election. Um, one thing we should say right up the top that that's important to make, so you know kind of where he is, is that he is not showing as much strength and popularity as he did four years ago. Um, I think he's still one of the top four or five of the many Democrats who are still running, even though we've had some folks drop out in the last couple of weeks. But he is not gaining the same kind of traction that he gained uh, at this point, or, you know, early on in his run in 2016. But he's still doing very well. He's still doing very well. And I think that the way the primaries are scheduled and the way that they're shaking out, he may actually get a big shot in the arm in a couple of months or three or four months from now. So he's not out of the running by any chance. It just seems like he's a little bit behind from where he was uh, when he was really the only serious challenger to Hillary Clinton. I mean, at, at this point, not quite at this point, I, I'd say a little bit later on in the 2016 election cycle than we are right now in the 2020 cycle, uh, by comparison, he was starting to really show a lot more strength than people expected. But I think even at this point, even a few months before the Iowa caucuses, in 2016. So if you going four years back exactly, late 2015 was already still more resilient than people thought. But he made some news this week, this past week, uh, concerning Israel. And I want to talk about this because it's very important, I think, for Jewish voters and voters who support Israel to understand where people like Sanders are coming from and understand how to refute and to not allow some of the uh, stock answers people give or stock statements that people like Sanders say to go unchallenged and go uh, and, and, and the right way to respond to it. Um, so for specifics, Bernie Sanders, the last week of October, showed up at the J Street conference. Now, J Street is, they bill themselves as a lobbying group, public advocacy group, whatever you want to call them, that supposedly supports Israel, but supports Israel with, with what they call tough love. Uh, they consider themselves more critical of certain aspects of Israel, which they say is for Israel's own good. And that's their MO. And, and the, 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 the insinuation, and sometimes it's more than an insinuation, sometimes they say it just very blatantly, that groups like AIPAC and the Zionist Organization of, for America are too blindly pro-Israel, too right-wing, too misguided, and that's dangerous for Israel. Israel needs to be given a push and a pull, and they want to pull it more to the left, and they want to pull it more to another place, and so that's why they say they're important. And they, again, they build themselves as a, quote, tough love type organization that still supports Israel. You may have heard me say this before. If J Street is tough love, I want everyone to go on their website and look for the love. I don't see any love. All I see is criticism, criticism, criticism. There's no special section on all the great things Israel is doing. There's no talk of, hey, here's something that we like that Israel does. We wish they would do more of this. It's just attack, attack, attack. Um, further undermining their branding as tough love for Israel is this, the, the money that they get, who, who, the, the, the financial support for J Street. And it clearly gets decent financial support. They had a nice conference in DC. Those buildings and, and audience halls don't come cheap. They had some big names there who were moderating, who I'm sure got some money, people like Ben Rhodes and, 
they got all these Democratic presidential candidates, quite a few of them, I think almost 10, showed up to speak there, including Bernie Sanders, um, which I, they're not paid to do, but the coordinating with their campaigns and all the things that need to be done to schedule that properly costs money and things like that. Um, so further undermining J Street is the fact that they're getting money from blatantly anti-Israel donors, and that's been shown by a number of reports. You can look it up on, on Google if you like, J Street funding. A huge amount of that money they got from, uh, removed by a couple of sources, so it wasn't direct money coming out of George Soros, direct pocket, but George Soros, who is a openly proud anti-Israel individual who talks about how he does, he does not support the, 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 you know, Israel as a Jewish state, gives a lot of money to J Street indirectly. Um, we know that there are some groups that are relatively pro-terrorists that give support money, that give money to J Street. Um, their finances, though, luckily for J Street, it has never been that much of a focus for the news media to really, really put a shine a light on where their money is coming from. Of course, that has a lot to do with, with, with the bias in the news media. J Street labels itself pretty much, or at least it's pretty much known that it's a left-wing organization. So that will automatically indemnify them and make them immune from a lot of news media scrutiny. If they were a right-wing organization, they would, be, they would be investigated much more heavily by the news media. But Suffice it to say that a lot of anti-Israel groups are providing a tremendous amount of the money for J Street. So, again, undermining this tough love argument, which, look, as a parent or as someone who sort of knows the ways of the world, we all know that sometimes you have to be critical and, you, and sometimes you have to be, in a constructive way, direct someone in a different way that you love and care about. That's not up for debate. I get that. That's not what J Street's doing. Their, their, act, their actions speak louder than their words on that. They've never, they, I just can't think of anything they've done that's pro-Israel. And if you go on their website, you won't find any pro-Israel testimonials. You won't find any great talks about what they think is so great about Israel. They focus only... It's, 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 the J Street is an anti-Netanyahu organization for the most part now, but it's also just an anti-Israel in the way that we know it. They don't like Israel as a, as a, as a country, of, of, as, as, a, as a Jewish state. And they are willing to host people who smear and slander Israel in the worst way, including Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders got on the stage at J Street and repeatedly called, the, he kept saying things like, the government of Israel is racist and Netanyahu is racist. And of course that means he's saying Israel is racist. Please do not split words and play the semantics game and say, well, he was just saying that about Netanyahu and just about the government. Look, folks. Netanyahu's popularity is up and down. It's right down the middle. Half the country likes him personally, the other half doesn't. But what isn't in dispute in Israel is that 60, 65% of the country is center-right. And the reason why they're having a problem with the elections in Israel, and it looks like we are headed for a third election, and that will be a whole different, an entirely different edition of Novak Now, probably next week, where we'll have to delve into this again. And I apologize in advance for that, because we are in such a state of disarray with the election. But the reason why Israel's elections have not been definitive and not been able to find uh, a government, been able to result in the formation of a government, is not because the country is split down the middle right and left. That's not what's going on. The country is very, very clearly center-right. The issue is Netanyahu. The issue is that he's expected, or people expect him to be officially indicted by the attorney general in a couple of weeks. For those of you listening, uh, not live, it, I'm talking about probably mid to late November, and it's forcing a situation where all the parties getting involved who otherwise are center-right 
and more to the right are having a hard time creating a coalition because they don't know what Netanyahu's future is. And the opposition party, Blue and White, that has at least 70% of the people who vote for Blue and White are in favor of the policies of Likud because there's no real difference between Blue and White and Likud, not in a very, very definitive way policy-wise. Here and there, small differences. But if Blue and White really declared itself as a left-wing or center-left party, which they don't, don't do, and that's smart, because they, they, then they wouldn't be elected. They wouldn't have had the, 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 the success they had in the elections. In the April election, they came in a close second. In the September election, they came in a close first, just one more seat. I mean, really, it, it, it is split down the middle between Blue and White and Likud among, those, among the voters who voted for those two parties. It's basically the same amount for each group. If you, and certainly if you average the results over the April and September election, it's a dead heat. But that's because the blue and white party is basically filled with people who would not really change the policies of the Netanyahu government. They just would do it without Netanyahu. They don't like him personally. So when somebody like Bernie Sanders says, uh, it's Netanyahu or the, or the government of Israel is racist, he's calling Israel racist. Don't be fooled. Don't, be allow, don't allow yourself to be fooled. And then another reason that we know that he, that's what he means is Take a look at what's going on in the Democratic Party right now and in these primaries. Now, for those of you who are a little bit more politically savvy and you know some of the history, you know that in the primary phase of a presidential election, and if there's more than two or three candidates running, the candidates need to run, if you're a Democrat, they need to run more to the left-wing voters because it's the further left-wing voters that are more likely to show up to primary elections. They're really true believer, motivated voters for either party are going to end up being more left if they're Democrat and more right if they're conservative, if they're Republicans. That's the way it's always been. So what's going on here is that the farther left of the Democratic Party is increasingly, increasingly, increasingly anti-Israel. Increasingly believes that Israel is completely racist, not just Netanyahu or the government. Increasingly believes that Israel should be should be boycotted and sanctioned and all those things. And Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who also said very similar things about Ber that, that Bernie Sanders said, and I'll get specifically to what he said in just a moment, other than the racist stuff, uh, are absolutely looking to win over those voters. They want those younger, uh, I call them regressive. When, you, when the Democrats like to call their far left wing the progressive wing, which is a, another great PR move that they've made there. Progressive sounds like it's forward-looking, making positive change, but it's actually regressive. It, going back to socialism is regressive. Going back to anti-Israel hatred is regressive. So the regressive wing of the Democratic Party, the further left wing of the Democratic Party, is increasingly anti-Israel, and that's who Sanders is really, really trying to play up to. And to just to be fair to Bernie Sanders, he, unlike Elizabeth Warren and some of these other Johnny-come-latelys in the Democratic Party, Bernie Sanders has always been very belligerent towards the state of Israel. Remember, we're talking about a man who, who, who chose to have his honeymoon with his current wife in the former Soviet Union in the late 1980s. The former Soviet Union that had policies absolutely opposing the state of Israel, deadly policies because, of course, they armed Israel's enemies, the former Soviet Union that had an official policy of anti-Semitism. And of course, Bernie Sanders spent some of his time at J Street having the gall and the audacity to claim that President Trump is 
making common ground with certain anti-Semitic groups, even if he maybe is personally not a white supremacist or anti-Semite. He didn't say that second part. But what he said was President Trump has encouraged this, these anti-Semitic groups in sort of, sort of an indirect way. This coming from a man who continues to pray. And by the way, he's never renounced the former Soviet Union and said, oh, yeah, I was wrong to go there. Here's a man who made an official honeymoon visit and has been a big fan of the USSR his entire adult life, a country that had an official, not a covert, an official anti-Israel and an official anti-Semitism policy. I know that there's some younger people listening here, but, but you may not remember that Jews were not allowed to openly worship in the Soviet Union, except at some of these like state-sponsored synagogues in Moscow where everyone was, everyone was on the take of the, of the Soviet government. I remember 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 35 years ago, there were some rabbis from Russia during the old Soviet Union who came for some kind of an exchange student uh, program at Yeshiva University. And they were completely ostracized by everyone at Yeshiva University because everyone knew they were actually working for the Soviet government at the time. And no one felt comfortable befriending them or bringing them or, or, or being close with them. Yeshiva University decided for PR reasons, yeah, we've got to let these guys come and study here. Maybe they'll learn some Torah. We're not going to get in the way of them learning some Torah. And I think that's to the credit of Yeshiva University. But it was too much to ask for the students and the other administrators to get close to government agents, guys who were probably informing on other Jews who were coming to worship at their synagogues in, in, in Moscow. So th th this is the man, Bernie Sanders, who's still a big fan of the USSR, a murderous or, you know, regime, Jews or, not, or no Jews. I mean, they, they didn't have a great track record with anybody. But here he is accusing President Trump of, of, of fostering anti-Semitism. And this is a guy who was supportive of Probably one of the only, listen, we know a lot of countries in the history of the world have had official anti-Semitic policies, but they've maybe kept it somewhat quiet. The Soviet Union had an official anti-wipeout Judaism policy within their own country, and, an, and they promoted the enemies of Israel with, with weapons and, and arms at a time when Israel was at war with these countries. So he's not the right person to be talking about uh, President Trump and anti-Semitism. Here's a guy who has been gone much further and much earlier in his life in support of, of nations and in organizations that are anti-Jewish and anti-Israel and in a way that actually left Jews dead and Israelis dead. But Bernie Sanders also made the biggest news during his speech by, by saying the following, and this is, again, something that very similar to what Elizabeth Warren also said, but he got, he got a little bit more specific and took it a step further. So Bernie Sanders again, referred to the $3.8 billion per year that the United States supplies Israel in military assistance. And he said that money should either be withheld and or some of that money should be given to Gaza unless Israel uh, uh, per, um, pursues the policies that, that, that he, if he were president or people like him were president like. So in a quid pro quo type situation, Bernie Sanders says, unless Israel does what I want it to do in Gaza, the, the money that Israel gets in military assistance should go, some of it at least should go to Gaza and the rest of it or whatever should be withheld. Now there's three or four things to unpack in a statement like that. And, I'll, and, and Senator Elizabeth Warren about two weeks earlier said something similar. She just didn't say the Gaza part. She said that some of that, that, that the money to Israel Military assistance to Israel should be withheld if Israel continues its policies with building settlements uh, and, and things like that. So she didn't say give the money to Gaza, like Bernie Sanders said, but she said something very similar. So there's a couple of things to unpack about what Bernie Sanders said. The first thing is, please, 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 when you are debating the topic of U.S.-Israel relations, 
and money. Please be aware that of the terminology that you should use because the, the, there's important terminologies to use that make sure that they square better with the facts. Don't use the word aid because foreign aid means literally like charity. The Israel does not receive foreign aid from the United States. They receive military assistance. So that's one thing. Insist on the terminology being correct. And even more importantly, understand the workings of that military assistance. It's $3.8 billion worth of military assistance, but what it really is, is a way to boost American defense contractors who work with Israel. 74% of the $3.8 billion that Israel is receiving in military assistance from the United States must be spent on weapons and technology and other defense systems that are developed by American defense contractors. So the money goes right back to the United States, two-thirds of that money. Three-fourths, three three-quarters of that money goes back to the United States. And by 2028, 100% of the money that Israel gets from the United States in military assistance will have to be spent on American-developed it could be joint American and Israeli developed, by the way. For example, like Raytheon is an American company that works with Israel, Israel's Rafael, uh, which is a defense contractor in Israel, on Iron Dome. So it isn't that it all has to be spent on American-made stuff only made in America. It can be jointly developed with Israel. But it has to be at least jointly developed with the United States, 100% by 2028, and currently 74%. So this isn't just money that Israel, that the United States is throwing at Israel, and they're going to use it for... Any, you know, they'll go shop around to Russia or India or any other country that makes weapons. That's not what happens. Okay, the money is basically all spent back in the United States. Now, if you're someone who hates the defense contractors and doesn't believe in weapons and all that, you can be angry about that, and that's fine. And that, by the way, is a big part of the regressive far-left group of the, of the Democratic Party. They don't want, they don't, they don't like the defense contractors. I mean, I, I almost have to laugh. I've heard some people from APAC otherwise well-meaning from APAC, who say they go to all the universities around the country and they say, oh, well, Israel is so supportive of the U.S. military and, and you shouldn't be anti-Israel, not realizing that 90% of the people they're talking to are also against the U.S. military. <laughs> you go on an American college campus today and say that you're supportive of the U.S. military, even if you're not talking about Israel, you're going to get a lot of pushback, folks. I mean, the, the tone deafness on that message is beyond me. But... That's another discussion. But the point is, is that the money that Israel gets from the United States for military assistance is basically another way for the U.S. government to help fund their own defense contractors. And we can talk about whether that's ethical or that's right, but that's not Israel's fault. Israel is trying to defend itself, and it gets U.S. support to do so. But not only does most of that money, three-quarters three of that money, and eventually 100% of that money come right back into American companies, but Israel is developing the weapons along with those, co with that, with those companies to make them better. Now, you've heard me on Novak now here on the Nachum Siegel Network talk about the F-35 stealth fighter jet and how it has changed everything in the Middle East. And a lot of that has to do with Israeli ingenuity. The Israelis didn't invent the F-35. That's Lockheed Martin, the American defense contractor. But even before the F-35 ever saw a moment of actual combat action, the Israelis took the specs and worked with Lockheed Martin to double the stealth capacity of the F-35 so that it could travel twice the amount of time without being detected by radar. I mean, that is a huge technological improvement. There were others that the Israelis helped Lockheed Martin uh, um, do with the F-35. But that, that alone is a massive, massive leap forward. And, of course, Iron Dome and other types of technologies that Israel has is really, really helped the American defense contractors develop.
So again, if you hate the American defense contractors, and there are a lot of people in the regressive wings of the, the, the Democratic Party who hate American defense contract and, hate, and, and think that the answer to everything is to disarm, then you know, that's certainly not a good talking point to get them to become pro-Israel or, or to get them off their anger at Israel for getting Amer U.S. military assistance. But if you're not one of those folks, if you're someone who understands that both the United States and Israel need to find good ways to defend themselves, then the U.S. military aid to Israel is, again, I, I just use the word aid. You see, how, you see how easy it is to make the mistake. The U.S. military assistance to Israel is very, very, very positive for the United States. And it's not money that the United States, quote, gives to Israel. That is a misnomer. But making it worse, Bernie Sanders talked about how that money should go to Gaza. Now, Bernie Sanders should know, and maybe he doesn't. Listen, but one of the things I learned about American politicians, and probably politicians everywhere, is that when they make a mistake like that, a lot of us want to assume it's because they're evil, they're deliberately lying, they're deliberately dissembling, whatever you want to say. But don't ever forget that for a lot of them, you should assume that they just don't know the, the, the truth. And just because Bernie Sanders is an old Jewish guy who has a degree from University of Chicago and stereotypically we're supposed to think these guys are smart, I'm not 100% sure, because I don't know him personally, I don't, I'm not 100% sure he knows exactly what I'm about to say, which is that Gaza is controlled by Hamas. It has been controlled by Hamas since at least 2007. So when you say give money to Gaza, you're meaning giving money to Hamas. This is a terrorist organization. This is an organization that, along with the Palestinian Authority, has been shown to use a tremendous amount, if not most of the foreign aid money that they get, and in this case, aid is the right word to use, to build terror tunnels, to give salaries and stipends and financial awards to the families of terrorists, thus encouraging more terrorism. We know what they do with the money, which is almost nothing for humanitarian causes. And for Bernie Sanders to propose that as an idea shows tremendous, tremendous either ignorance on his part or just absolute nefarious lying. Or even worse, maybe he's okay with Hamas getting the money. I don't know. This is a guy who supported the Soviet Union and continues to say the Soviet, you know, continues to defend it. Who knows? But there's something else that Bernie Sanders does, and there's another thing that we, so many well-meaning supporters of Israel, whether they're Jewish or not, fall into a trap in, when, when, he, when he talks. There's another thing that I want to discuss. So Bernie Sanders talked about something else which was really interesting at this J Street conference. He talked about how, and this is a big thing for J Street, J Street loves this particular line of thinking. The idea that they like to really push back on the idea that if you're anti-Israel, that also means that you're anti-Semitic. And I'm sure many of you have gone through this argument many, many times. The, the logic behind saying that people who are anti-Israel are also anti-Semitic is very solid. Because when you're anti-Israel and you tend to really focus on this very small country that's done so much good for the world, and whatever faults it may or may not have, and Israel's got plenty of faults. You've heard me criticize Israel, certain policies, domestic policies, on, this, on Novak now here on the Nachum Siegel Network a few times. So you know that it's not, anyone, no one is saying that Israel is perfect. But when you single out Israel, for special treatment, special negative treatment. It's, been, it, it's just logically a part of anti-Semitism because you are, putting that, you are deciding to talk about Israel and human rights when you don't talk about all the other countries. And there have been some times where some of the people who criticize Israel only have been, really been forced to answer as to why they focus on Israel, this small country, when there are so many other bigger countries with so many other more terrible violations or even accusations against them. And every once in a while, they'll say something along the lines of, well, we have to start somewhere, which is actually an honest answer, 
because what you what I've learned from almost every revolutionary or violent group or I would just stick with revolutionary group groups that really want massive change in a violent way usually whether they're from the far right or far left throughout history almost all of them incorporate anti-semitism in their opening pitch to the people and I say in almost dark comedy way their slogans of so many of these organizations would be come for the anti-semitism stay for the revolution and whether it's communism or whether it's nazism or all these other things anti-semitism is a very important advertising calling card for these kinds of groups and as much as they hate the jews or they may hate israel their ultimate goal isn't necessarily to kill off the jews in israel that's something they want to do but they have an even bigger major goal which is usually some kind of world domination or at least domination of the major country they're trying to take over things like that you know the cossacks and the 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 the, the massive amount of anti Semitic pogroms and violence that characterized Russia and, and Poland and, and places like that in the late 19th century going into the early 20th century, which are, you know, as, as anyone, as any historian will tell you accurately, is the biggest reason why there's such a large Jewish population in the United States. It's because of life in those parts, in those major, major Jewish populated parts of the world became untenable. And so, so many of those people chose to come to the United States. But understand that as much as they hated Jews, and they really hated Jews, I'm not, I'm not whitewashing their Jew hatred. What they really wanted was to take over Russia. They wanted to get rid of the Tsar. And they understood, though, that hating on the Jews, that was something that the Tsars used, that was something that the Cossacks and then eventually the Bolsheviks used. Everyone used it because it's a great calling card for whatever kind of major revolution you want to run. So when Bernie Sanders, one of the things that J Street really focuses on is this idea that because Bernie Sanders is Jewish and because his father's family, as he says, was, was wiped out in the Holocaust, and I don't doubt that, not his father, but his father's family that they remained in Europe, he says it's going to be really hard to accuse me of anti-Semitism because of that, when I, when I criticize Israel, because I'm Jewish and because I had a family, parts of my family, extended family, were wiped out in the Holocaust. And a lot of Jewish people that I know, well-meaning people, and also non-Jewish people say, use terms like self-hating Jew or anti-Semite with Bernie Sanders, and I know where they're coming from and I get it, but that's really not the, 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 the smartest tack to take the smartest reaction to a Bernie Sanders. A better reaction is, that's right, Bernie Sanders. You are a descendant. You, your father's family was wiped out in the Holocaust. You are not someone who hates Jews. And so that is why it is more disappointing. You have an even bigger responsibility to support Israel. Because whether you understand it or not, and I'm not so sure you don't get it. Maybe you don't, because maybe you are not as smart as, as you stereotypically might beef as a jewish guy from brooklyn who went to university of chicago you're supposed to be smart but maybe you're not not everyone with that background is by the way even with a fancy degree but i do think that you're smart enough to understand or you should know and maybe you again have not been educated that the muslim brotherhood which led to the plo which led to hamas which led to all these anti-semitic and anti-jewish and violent anti-everyone terrorist groups were encouraged and started by the nazis Yasser Arafat was trained by ex-Wehrmacht officers. There is a Nazi fingerprint on almost every major terrorist organization in the world, but especially the Arab Muslim terrorist groups. And don't be fooled, and there are many books about this, and I'll put them up on my Twitter feed, at JakeJakeNY, for those of you who don't know, so you can read the Nazi origins of, of, of violent Arab terrorist groups are very well documented. Very well documented. And so if Bernie, our response to Bernie Sanders should be this. 
Bernie, you're right. Your father's family was wiped out in the Holocaust. And thus, you have an even bigger responsibility to stand up to the descendants of the Nazis who are white supremacists in this country, sure. But also, but more importantly, and more, and sadly, in a more deadly way, they are Hamas, the group who's, who you're saying you would like to give money to. How dare you do that? You have a bigger responsibility to your family and to your history. That's the answer we should be giving Bernie Sanders. I want you to think about that from now on instead of just doing the knee-jerk, self-hating Jew type stuff. This will be more effective. I'm Jake Novak. This has been the Novak Now program on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again soon.